0: Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Oh, oh, crazy, crazy hair is going on all around around this this area here. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> How goes it? Well, we are, um, I'm here. It's going, yep, and it's true. It is going, right? Um oh my lord. I am. I binged. Uh, a little bit of uh, fear of the walking dead last night and uh, Probably stay up a little too late So there you go Look all these these Galatians three notes. I took very good stuff It's all here <laughs> um, There it is there's the old pen So we're in Galatians, and, oh gosh. <clears throat> and it's one of my favorite books. I woke up with a really bad sore throat this morning. There you are, Galatians, where are you? I think I think someone took Galatians out of my Bible, everybody. Oh, there it is, boom. Um, it's funny, because my Bible's actually kind of starting to split in Galatians, which really stinks. So I shared this link on Facebook today. <clears throat> A couple other places I didn't realize I could share this live link, so we tried that. We'll see how that works today. Um, but we're in Galatians 3. I uh, I found out some really, I, 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 doing some of my research last night, I, I saw some things that are really cool. And often I will kind of, Take Galatians 3 and um, kind of split it into like two parts because it is is long. Um, I think we might try to get try to get through this whole thing though together today. Um I, forgive me for continuing to yawn. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm just <clears throat> very yawning. Yawny, yawny, yawny. yawny. Little, little, little more disconnected this morning than I have you guys heard of um, Have you ever like, had, like heard of like disconnection or like the idea of like, you know, you kind of feel like you're not all there. You're not grounded. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I suffer from that kind of like dis- that feeling of disconnection. It really, really, really is horrible. Um, so sometimes I have to, you know, kind of Feel where I'm sitting, know where I'm there, be present in the moment, you know, that kind of thing. It's such a weird feeling to be like kind of almost like your spirit slipping out of your body. Um, anyhow, you know, that's really weird to talk about and it's like meditating without wanting to, I think. <laughs> <clears throat> so last week we kind of ended on the um one of my, I think one of the more powerful passages in Galatians where the Apostle Paul says, you know, I do not nullify the grace of God for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So that's pretty heavy. It's a pretty heavy critique of the law, um, pretty heavy critique of, Of the people who want to go back towards the law, and um, and he's 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 basically saying to these folks who are trying to get the the um, the Gauls to to practice uh, Jewish tradition. Basically, he's he he's saying like you know your guys are are making Christ death in vain. Now, a lot of people are like, well, you know, atonement theory, why do we need it? And did God really need to die for anything? And I kind of had an epiphany last night about atonement theory that we're going to talk about a little bit today. So hold that thought. Um, um, So... So there's this idea that I do not nullify the grace of God for his justification comes through the law. So, so Paul clearly states that the law nullifies grace in a way, recreating the law. And we recreate the law all the time, you know, with Christianity, we've done it. How we treat people, having no room for nuances in each other's lives. Um... By holding people, well you know some people well we're just holding them responsible for you know, but often we you know the the, the, the sentence doesn't fit the crime in, in, in Christianity or the, the the mistake or what we consider a mistake, you know. Now here's another interesting thing that is about it, it, that, that, that 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 in Galatians is that. You know, obviously when Paul wrote this, there wasn't chapters, you know. So this is a pretty, pretty heavy, heavy book when you think that Paul right here is going into, I do not nullify the grace of God for if justification comes through the law, then there was no need to Christ, no Christ to die. And Christ died for nothing. Then three, just all of a sudden, Paul kicks right back into it, which this is how we kind of started. It goes in three, one. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You know, I mean. So he's already going in, fool. He started out in one at one in Galatians sixteen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to the grace of Christ and turning the different gospel. So Paul's not pulling a lot of punches. And that's what's very unique about this letter is you have someone who's trying to prove to the audience that he is actually an apostle, that he's really worthy of being listened to. He's at the same time correcting people with stuff like, oh, you fools, you idiots. What have you, what's happened to you? You know, it's a bit all over the place for such a short letter. Um, and it's quite amazing that it does such a a complete it's such a complete work on grace that grace is through this and it almost answers most of your questions of grace because everybody wants to put an asterisk by the word grace, you know, especially if it was about their abuser or their pastor or their church or, You know, my youth pastor didn't give me pepperoni pizza, only cheese. Um, But I've started a podcast about it. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Um, (laughs) um, But, you know, like, they want to just like, you know, and and then, uh, you know, grace is, oh, you know, grace can't be for everybody, you know, because grace is a license to sin or grace is a license to do nothing. Or... Grace lets the, you know, people we don't like get away with stuff. But that's why grace is anarchy in a way. But also, that's why Paul is like showing you like, I'm still calling you guys fools and saying you've been bewitched. I'm still having a tough conversation with you. We're still having a hard conversation. There's still warnings. There's still conflict. So it's not saying that grace is free from conflict. Just grace allows conflict to be there without a devastating end. Grace is there with the hopes of, of um, restoration, the hopes of finding peace in the midst of this. It, 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 without conflict, you go straight to war, and what it's saying is, is that grace is the place that allows conflict to exist And we can have this conflict, we can have these things, we can have these arguments. And I think a lot of the problems I see with like today's way of thinking, uh, even when I hear a lot of these people who are doing deconstruction and things like this, is that it's kind of like we're done talking. We're not going to have this conversation with them anymore. They've done this and they're done. And for me, it's like we've got to continue to have this conversation. Otherwise, we write each other off. And then what you're you're subscribing to, you're just creating your own law. You might be like, oh, we're progressive and all are welcome, but you're saying all are welcome, but not really. It's like I the other day I went to drop my kids off somewhere at a friend's house, and it said all are welcome, you know, at this house, and blah blah. And then it, I I'm not kidding you, like then it, you go out for the front door, and it's like no, you know, no, just you know whatever, no selling anything or no religion, you know. <laughs> whatever it's, I can't remember what it was, it was, no soliciting. It was no soliciting, you know, and I'm like, well, everybody's welcome, but solicitors, all are welcome. So it's not all are welcome. You need to, you know, you need to have an asterisk on that sign and then the asterisk on the solicitor's sign. And, and, and that's kind of the world we live in, that all are welcome unless you're a conservative, or unless you're woke, or unless you're you know, affirming or unless you're not, you know, I mean, whatever. But everybody has these law, this law that we recreate. And grace says, no, get your asses together and work this out. That's what grace is saying. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, Jesus died so we could figure this out. Like I've gone to the mountaintop with these leaders and tried to figure it out. I argued with Peter. We don't even know if he won the argument, probably didn't. But I argue with Peter, the rock of the church, to make sure we could all sit together. This is a big thing. Like, we need to have these arguments. We can confront one another. But we don't confront one another with the idea of that we're going to kill each other. Or that we're going to cancel each other. Or that we are going to destroy each other. And say, so, well, people need to be held accountable. I'm not saying people don't need to be held accountable. But what I'm saying is, radically, is that there always needs to be a room for restoration of some sort and this is, this, is, this is the taking up the cross, this is the dying to the flesh, this is getting out of that like human mentality, this is being crucified with Christ, is when we are open to forgiveness for all people. That we are going to try to love people as much as we can. When we are going to maybe have a, in, in, instead of putting up a boundary wall, we put up a boundary structure that has doors and windows. You know, so we're protective, but we're open as well. We're willing to open a door if it need be. We're willing to find, you know, we, we don't have to have the last word. We don't have to dig in the, the the knife in the back, you know. And I feel like that's what we often do in these situations. And we've become, you know, it's become completely like this binary thinking, you know. And it's just funny to me that everybody's like, you know, wants to talk about their sexuality and I'm a non-binary and I'm this and I'm that. But then when it comes to our thinking or it just, that type of thinking of how we think about others other than that, it becomes this closed down thing, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I'd rather hear about how you're conferring and dealing with your enemies and what's going on in, in sex lives in, in our personal lives. I'd like to know how we're better building the country and how we're better building each other up and how we're working together. And so we have to figure out how do we get out of this us and them mentality. I think that's what Dr. King was trying to help us realize. I believe that's what Malcolm X at the end of his work was trying to help us realize. Um, I believe like there's been a lot of great people who just wanted us, and that's what Paul is doing in this book. And you will see it very clearly in a few minutes. Um, And I'm not asking for some like, I'm not Galatians is not asking for some sort of like middle of the road bland you know um you know I'm just moderate it's not saying moderate moderates don't say you fools what are you doing That's that that's not you know so I hope if if you have ears you hear this you can really accept this and and really critically look at like how powerful this book is and why do we do this book every year? Like, why do we go at the beginning of every year? And I'll tell you why. is because if I didn't do it at the beginning of every year, I'd forget and I'd do it two to three times a year because I think it's that important. I think Galatians is that important. Um, I would argue that it it could be written to us in in the church of, of, of America and probably the church of probably all over the world in a lot of countries where we are stuck within this binary idea. And then when we bring in religion in it, we get really, you know, oh, it's my religion, you know? And then we start to, to get really cocky, and that's when we really start to hurt people and cause damage that sometimes is, um, drives people away. What we do is we make Christ's death in vain for other people it might be we're making Christ's death in vain for LGBTQ people, or we might be doing it for uh, progressive people, or we might be doing it for uh, conservative people. Um, it just depends on what side we're on. You know, um, I used to think when I came out of evangelicalism as a young man, that the, per, that the mainline denominations were going to be the safe denominations. But then I realized you guys just have as much issues as the other side, too. It's just in different places. Um, so how do we, how do we, how do we argue well? How do we become really problem solvers and, um, and figure this stuff out? you know, like, I I believe in nonviolence, so when I see, like, all this stuff, this war going, I mean, I really wish that these guys, I wish people, I wish these leaders of these countries would sit down. I wish America wasn't providing weapons as much as trying to provide a a space for these leaders to sit down and try to solve these issues. Now, I'm not going to get into politics too much, but what I'm just saying is, is like, I I think we've got to have Disagreements. We've got to have like try to work out our problems as much as we can before we go to war. We've got to have conversations. We've got to have debate. We've got to have <clears throat> talks. And I think this is what this is what Paul is, is, is. You'll see is begging for. Um. Here we go. Let's try to see what we can find here. Now remember, here at, you know I, I I I'm not I don't know what's going on in the conversations because they're just coming up very fast. But you know this is non-binary thinking here today. We are a place where everybody is welcome, and we really do work well. We really do work hard at disagreeing well, and making this a place where it's not a safe place because you're going to argue and your feelings might get hurt. Mine do on a regular basis, <laughs> and that's okay. Because we're we're learning to work together, we're learning to have a diverse community—not just of physicals or sexuality or or, or culture or race—but uh, we're looking to have a, a diverse community of of thinking as well. Um, so cool. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm trying to read as much as I can, but I got to look down. I've got my Bible here. One day they'll invent glasses where I could be reading my Bible verses here, or just here. Oh, thank you, Zoe. I saw lots of love comments. All right, let's hit this. I haven't even gotten into it, so maybe we'll go halfway through. Buckle up. Let's go. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? So he's saying, who has cast a spell on you? Great, guys. Appreciate it. Well, maybe I'll get in the comments and write something mean then. (laughs) Um, Can I, I I need another, I need a. (laughs) You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly exhibited as crucified. Basically he's saying you saw a VHS videotape of Jesus being crucified and now you've forgotten. And it's funny, I think, one of the things just off the top of my head, like how many of us have been in situations where we've... I think part of the problem in the church is often that when when the pastors argue with us, they don't want us to argue back. So when they go, like, you fool! <laughs> You're a fool! You know, and that's the problem. It becomes a one-way street. And uh, I think that's where maybe hurt and pain comes in. Um, but I, I think we should be able to argue back and argue well. Um... It was before the eyes of Jesus Christ was publicly exhibited crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? Are you so foolish? I mean, this is harsh shit, guys. This is like harsh talk. And I think that's the thing is people are like, well, how do I give grace to the people who've hurt me or how do I give grace to people who've damaged me you know, um, in the past and, 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 grace isn't just going like, okay, you're forgiven and just keep, keep hurting people by. No, it, there might be times where you go like, you hurt me. You, you, you acted like an irresponsible person. Like when I was in Belfast, I'd hurt Pete's I'd hurt Pete's feelings, and he told me, and it sucked. And it, we and we had a tough conversation, but we've had tough conversations before because we're best friends, and we love each other, and we want our friendship to continue. You know? Um, you guys might know I, I, I don't have, like, I, I, I really don't have a whole lot of people in my life uh, personally all the time. I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm trying to change that a little bit more, like I'm trying to Feel a little bit more social, um, uh, but I can be, uh, you know, keep to myself a bit. But having these hard conversations and having tough conversations um, are, are important. Working things out are important, you know, and, um, and knowing that there's something bigger that's worth it. That's worth the argument. Which worth of the disagreement? Which is worth the hurt feelings? Which are worth worth the, the fear? Um, you know, there's this parable about this this uh, this small group of people. This 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 small uh, tribe of people, and they all agree to everybody fishes to catch the fish and to eat. And there's one guy who just doesn't quite understand it. And so he just eats the fish without fishing. And they all get together and decide, like, what are we going to do about Bill? He's not, he's just eating the fish. He's not helping us fish. And so they all decide to kill him. And they kill him. And the point is, is why did they kill him? Is they killed him because they were afraid to confront him. They were afraid to have the conversation and I feel like that's often what we do today rather than saying like hey we really need you to you've got a to fish too you got to throw in you know you got to throw in your fishing rod and grab some fish this is how the community works but they were also like oh we don't want the confrontation so we'll just kill them you see that's the point of the story is is sometimes we so fear confrontation, so we we fear to sit down and and have a conversation with someone. We'd rather take something that do way more drastic. We'd rather go murder the person or go straight to war or completely leave the person out of our lives than deal with the reality of having a hard conversation. And right now what you're seeing is Paul is reaching out to a community that he cares so much about having a really tough conversation. So in three, are you so foolish, have started the spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? And this was his thing, was that that the flesh, that it wasn't only bad works that was separating, you know, it's not just bad works that, that were separating, he's saying that they're separating you from Christ, from following Christ, from being in this community, but it's also your good works. It's works of the flesh, you know? These things aren't, you know, aren't necessarily adding up, you know? And now you're trying to just be good by by what you do and not by how you treat each other or by demanding others to be like you. Did you experience so much for nothing, If it really was for nothing, well then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by you doing the works of the law or by you believing what you heard? You know, and so there's a big, you know, know, people say, well, show me, you know, if you really believe something, show me actions, not your words is what most people would say. And Paul's coming and saying like, I see your actions, you know, but I don't think you're believing this thing. I don't think you're really accepting it. And by your actions and by all these works, I'm seeing that you, you, you feel like you have to do something and that it's about what you're doing rather than what's about accepting each other. By telling people that they have to do what you're doing, I see that this isn't real trust. This isn't real faith. And this is where it gets interesting in, in six here is It says, uh, just as Abraham believed God, And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So you see, those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith declared the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For the reason those who believe are blessed with Abraham, who believed? Um. you know, the story of Abraham is you're going to have descendants as many as the stars and and all this. And this angel comes to Abraham, and he's very old, and and he believes him. And he goes, okay. And he's made justified by his belief. Now, what we, we don't cover in this story is that he also decided to, you know, well, we kind of do a little bit. But then he wanted it proven. And then he tries it at his own self and he tries it with his own works. So it's a very familiar story that really does work well for the Gauls here in the Galatians community. But, but Abraham is made righteous through his faith, not by the law. Faith, <clears throat> God would justify the Gentiles by faith declared by the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. For all who rely on works of the law are under curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all things written in the book of the law. So now Paul is saying, you know, here's Paul, uh, former Pharisee saying, the law doesn't work unless you keep it all. So unless you can keep the whole law and not not miss one jot or tittle, then you have, have fallen from the law. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Okay? We come back to this by the law. And one of the things I think that's important is is because we're so far away from this time is that realizing that Christianity in a lot of ways and evangelical Christianity and American Christianity and all this, we've created these new laws, these new, you know, uh, non-negotiable laws that we have. The one who is righteous will live by faith. But the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, whoever does the works of the law will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. In order that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. I'm gonna read a little bit for more. I was, 15 it says, brothers and sisters, I give an example from daily life. Once a person's will has been ratified, no one adds to it or annuls it. Now the promise were made to Abraham on his, and his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, as of many, but it says, and to your offspring. That is to one person who is Christ. My point is this. The law which came 430 years later does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance comes from the law, it is no longer comes from the promise, but God granted it to Abraham through the promise. Now, so what he's saying is this promise to Abraham came 430 years before Moses was given the law. Now, this is where atonement theory becomes interesting. And this is something I've not looked into and I would like to do more of a study, but as I read this, it started to kind of hit me in a really interesting way, um, was... Was was what it's saying is is that you know the law was like this, this like keep us safe and keep keep us give us some rules and regulations for a small time. But ultimately, it's about the promise that was given to Abraham. And so, in a way, Christ ends this temporary law. Now, this is the interesting part about it. Is because I've always grew up, you know, with the idea that atonement theory meant like Jesus is forgiving us for, you know, this concept of original sin and all this type of things. But the way Paul is explaining it here is he's saying that Jesus is just completing the Abraham's work, that Jesus has just freed us from this time of law. It is that. Jesus' death ends the law, but ends this temporary law. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like something that happened after Abraham. It's basically almost like the the, the law of Moses is over now because of what Christ did. So way I, I, I'm thinking about this, and, and I could be wrong, I could be right, um, is the idea that Christ dies for us to realize we're children of Abraham. Not to forgive us of some original sin, but to free us from the law, to remind us of the promise, and to remind the Gentiles and allow the Gentiles to see the promise. Um, And so this becomes a whole different, I mean, this becomes kind of a mind-boggling thing that this is what Paul's saying, is that it's like, He's not talking about like this OG sin. He's not talking about, I think I even wrote some notes down over here. Um, you know, he. it's not the OG sin, but free from the law, back to faith and trust, restored, restored to the faith, restored to grace, restoring the promise. And so that's an interesting way of looking at it. I, it's not something I've, heard anyone ever talk about, but this came through the study of last night of thinking, you know, is that what Jesus came to accomplish? Is, is, is Jesus said, I've come to fulfill Moses' work by my death. The law is over. It's been fulfilled. I, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. The law has been fulfilled. I have taken care of it. You know, there's no need for this guardian anymore. You know, we're going back to the original intent that you're all loved, you're all covered, you're all this, you don't need this protector anymore. Faith alone, you are accepted, and I want you to realize that that's the point. The law has got become, you know, something else. It's become an idol. So I think that's a different way of looking at it is uh, why Christ came and uh, why Christ lived and why Christ died at least in Paul's eyes and what he's saying to the Galatians. Pretty interesting stuff, right? To kind of graft everyone back into the tree to bring everyone together. So God granted to Abraham through the promise. So this idea is that, here it is. The law is over. The guardian, we don't need the guardian anymore. You don't need this person. Why then was law it was added because of the transgressions until the offspring would come to whom was promised had been made? And it was ordered through angels by mediators. Now the mediators involves more than one party, but God is one. Is the law then opposed to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if I law for if a law had been given that would make alive the righteousness would be indeed come through the law. But the scripture has imprisoned all things under the power of sin so that what was promised through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. You know, so it's no longer about the law. It's no longer about these ideas. And, and this is this, this is a very powerful argument because Paul is letting everyone know that you guys are equally important into this, in, in, under Christ, that you those who are being grafted in, those who are the, the adopted, are just as much sons and daughters as those who were born. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian, you hear that, until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we no longer are subject to the disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith or trust or belief. As many of you were baptized in Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now, this is where it gets wild again. And where Paul is really trying to hit this home with us is there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ. And that and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings, heirs according to the promise. So, so ultimately, what what Paul is doing is he's trying to tell the Judaizers and the Gauls, you guys are one, you're unified. There is no Jew or Gentile. There is no slave or free. You know, you're all one in I mean, he's saying like, you can't, I mean, if you're a slave owner and you have slaves, you are equals. You've got to rethink how this works. Like, you know, men were like seen as, as a hierarchy and females were lowarchy, you know, like this lower form a lot of the uh, the religious rules around uh, sexual ethics and things like this were because to keep control of women you know and um, and and so men could have virgin wives and all this type of thing and all you know and there was all this like hierarchy and even children were seen as low lower than 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 adult males and paul is radically saying this is, does not exist anymore you know, this is one thing that I think some of my more uh, conservative um, Calvinist uh, friends get uh, get really miss it when they start thinking, well, no, men and women are this is you know we have different you know women can't be leaders, and blah, 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 you know, and it's going no, that's the law, that's the old law, um, that's not Christianity, you know. So this is all done. It's finished. Like when Christ said it is finished, it was, this is he saying, I'm going to clarify this even more. So there's not, as he would say to the Gauls or, or, the, or everyone in Galatians, there's not Judaizers and there's not Gauls anymore. You are all one. You might have different religious beliefs that you've grown up with. You might have different religious practices that you've grown up with and you might have different identities. But now your identity is one in Christ. And it's funny because you see so often in Christianity, people's identities are, I am a blank Christian. And that blank is usually to let you know where they are and who they welcome and who they're cool with and who they're not cool with before a Christian. And, and, and so we're always putting a caveat, a, a, an asterisk by Christian. It's this type of Christian. I am blank Christian. Um you know, or I am this denomination and I am this, and so you know where I stand and you know what I believe rather than saying, well, I'm a follower of Christ. Like if I say I'm a follower of Christ, you go like, well, what kind of follower of Christ are you? You know, I mean, growing up, I don't know how many times I I used to say when I was especially, you know, I remember being in my early 20s and doing this and flying all over the place to speak back in the glory days You know, being on a plane and tucked next to a stranger, and then, oh, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, how do I explain this? You know, like, I didn't want to be like, I'm a, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not like all those other Christians. That would often be how it would start off, you know? And that would be given my own experience with Christianity, or that usually, if I was being a Christian, especially like in the 90s and the early 2000s, you know, everybody would think, you know, because of the 80s, oh, well, you must be a conservative Christian or you must believe in conservatives and you must not like gay people and you must be this way and you must think this way. And so there was a lot of assumptions, a lot of assuming that came along with that idea. There's still assumptions, you know? It's really hard to explain. Um, and that's what we try to do. That's why we try to argue well and have tough conversations so we can kind of see where we each other come from and who we really are. Um, so it's not about being a punk Christian or a gay Christian, or a progressive Christian, or a, uh, a conservative Christian. It's not, that's Paul saying those things should not exist within this faith and to this way of following, because we're all one in this. So why shouldn't we be able to sit down with each other and say, I disagree? Why shouldn't we be able to have disagreements? But what Paul also says is that you've gotta be careful, and he'll get into this later, and we'll read this later, but you have gotta be careful not to tear each other apart with your words, and that you don't tear each other apart with your identities, that you don't get an idea that so my identity is more important than your identity. You know, where we don't uh, we don't discriminate, we don't practice um, prejudice, we don't practice uh, racism or heterosexism, but we also don't practice orientalism. And orientalism is when you think one group is special and certain, and that. They're, un, they're sacred and they're untouchable. You know, we, we can't have that either. You know, so you can't have this Orientalism or these other isms, you know, hierarchies and lowarchies or even like uh, often, you. I think one of the things you'll see today is like the hierarchy of suffering. Well, if this group has suffered more than this group, then that somehow there's a hierarchy there. And and, and, and that's just not that's the reality of the world we live in. Okay, I'm not going to say that that's not a reality, that is the reality of the we live in right now. You know, and I get nervous every time I talk about this. And I usually get pushback every time I talk about this verse. Um, to be quite honest with you, from everybody. It's, a, it's an equally opportunity to be offended by this verse. Because Paul is basically saying there's a bigger problem here than just our differences in identity. You see what I'm saying? And so I struggle with this too, especially because I'm like, oh, I'm a white heterosexual male. We've all are equal. (laughs) It's like, wow, that's easily said. But I'm also a poor white heterosexual male. Um, I also have dyslexia. I also suffer from depression. I also, you know, I mean, there's lots of uh, nuances going on in my own world. I've often, I've also suffered quite a bit in my own life. And because of the faith that my parents disguided to follow in and that I was born into. I've had a lot of issues with that as well. And because of how this world system works and because of how, you know, certain people just write off other people quite easily. And what I'm trying to say, we've got, you know, but Paul is saying to these folks is don't continue to make these mistakes. And what I'm trying to say through Paul's work and through the Bible is that There's a better way, there's another way for us to learn how to live with one another and see each other as human beings, as people, to recognize one another's suffering, um, as well as not using that to discount others. Um, And that's the problem, is that when we get in, when it becomes like this competition and it becomes, you know, like a badge of honor, you know it's often that's the badge that, that shows who we are and what we are rather than than, uh, than fellow human beings willing to help each other go through life and live life well. Um, and, and, I, and it becomes something where we really get in you know, I feel like Christianity is just like love's identity politics. You know, it's just something that it really embraces well. And, um, and, and, of course, when it's our identity, it's not a bad thing, you know. But when their identity comes in is, you know, we start to get a little bit uncomfortable. And so what will bring us to the same table? What will bring us to the table? what will make a place at the table. Um, We're always talking about the table. You know, Jesus flipped tables, which I think is interesting. Um, And so, for me, the continuing struggle is to learn to love and respect human beings and realize how many different people are in this world, how many people grew up in different religions different social structures, different ideals, you know, different pains, uh, different hopes, uh, just so different. I mean, I, I I, sometimes even just compare, like, me and my ex-wife. I mean, we're so different. But what, you know, like me and her, but what brings us together is this love for these children, you know, love for our kids. And I think that's what... Um, I think that's what Paul's trying to tell us here. And he's saying, like, if you guys continue to try to outshine the other or virtue signal each other or cancel each other or uh, humiliate one another, you're going to destroy each other's lives. And I think what we've got from that is I think we, you know, I think if you just... if, if if you spend any time on any type of social media, you'll see like so much of the bad fruit of Christianity and so many people who've been hurt by this faith that was begging us not to do that, begging us not to hurt each other and not destroy each other. And so Paul is really, really big here, you know, cause he, I mean, he, I mean, he starts that whole part out with saying that you guys are fools you used to understand this, you used to grasp this, you know? And now he's saying something really radical and really reforming and something that he's given his whole life for is to say that Gentiles and Jews are one. And they're one through Christ. They are all accepted. And, uh, I feel like this is the biggest fear of Christianity of me growing up is that people that everyone would be accepted because everybody's afraid that there's gonna be a wink at sin, whatever your sin is. <laughs> Which really the idea of sin is probably would not helping other people or caring about it or trying to fill that void that's unfillable with things, thinking that the next thing is gonna make you happy, in my opinion. But um but, but it, you know, but it's like Paul is like, sorry, I really want to get this right. Um, Paul is really encouraging us to not live in a way that we're continuously separated by these things and by these ideas. And it's very radical because now it's not just Jews or Gentiles. It's slave and free and it's male and female. I mean, he's really tearing down a hierarchical system. That's why we wanted, I wanted to talk to you guys about the pastoral epistles here eventually. And I might do an—I might have to do an evening like, class about it because I think it might be too much to do for a Sunday service. But um, you know, in those pastoral epistles, the hierarchy gets reset up. Everything that Paul tears down here gets set up, reset up, and that's why I have such a struggle and distaste for those books. Um, and, and obviously, it's not Paul. But that's my opinion. Um, So I think this is something we have to sit with, is that this is what Paul is begging us to do. He's saying, as long as we have these things, these these, these separators of us, we're not going to see each other as, as human beings. And it's not saying that you don't have that, because what he's asking these folks to do is say, you know, to the Gauls, Gauls, please let the Judaizers be who they are, but going also Judaizers—that's what the group of this certain group was called. You've also got to let the Gauls be who they are, because we're one in Christ. You know, so that's a tough one, right? It's a it's a very it's a very tough one but it's also why we're going to go straight into Tillich's a study on Tillich right we're going to do I think a two-parter on Tillich's talk you are accepted which you can find on Google you just google in Paul Tillich you are accepted we're going to do I'm going to do two maybe three weeks of, of of we're going to look at that talk and we're going to get into it and we're going to Talk about it here on 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 Sundays after this following this and I think it's important is because it's kind of like okay what is this grace thing we're talking about what is this what do we expect from it what happens from it what does it do and how does it cause us to all be one in Christ and is that fair and is that you know um, how do we allow each other to live and live well you know, and I think it's important when we see other people hurting other people, we speak up and we go, "Don't this is foolish, this is ridiculous. When we that's Why we're saying argue well is because we're saying, well, you guys have got to stop killing each other. And that's one of the things Paul's begging. He's like, stop, help each other, restore each other, build each other up, stop tearing each other apart. You know, that's a big part of this. This is a big part of grace. And it's really strange to me, even as I speak about this, even as I talk about this, that that it's good news. I've known that the Gospels have good news since I was in my early 20s when I started to really read it for myself. I know it's good news, but it was so programmed in my brain that there was another shoe that was about to drop or there was a judgment that was about to drop or there was an asterisk and I was gonna look down and realize that I was the one that was under the foot or that I had to hate somebody that I loved and I realized that that's not going to be true. And that's why I continue to have that mustard seed of faith that my mother gave me as a child. That's why I continue to speak as my biggest tool in my life is the Bible, but I read philosophy and I read other people's theology and other ideas so I can sharpen this and, and wrestle with it In days that I don't believe that, I believe that these, you know, that there's no God, but I still believe this book guides me in the direct way of how to love better, how to be a better human being, how to live a life with others better and not avoid conflict, but go into conflict so I don't have to go to war, so I don't have to live my life carrying pain or unforgiveness or anger or resentment, you know, that we don't kill. Bill, <laughs> the guy who's not fishing, but we go, hey Bill, you know, is it there's, are do you have like some sort of phobia of the water? Are you afraid of the fish? Uh, can I help teach you how to fish? Maybe you're afraid you're not going to catch anything, you know. Maybe this just didn't go over your mind, you know. Is there just a way I can help you do this, you know? Or is this not the community that you want to be in anymore? Because if not, then you know. We'll help you find another community, Bill. <laughs> you know, maybe we're not your tribe. <laughs> um, maybe you're more of a McDonald's, you know, fish fillet guy. You want to go pick it up at the store. Anyway, this is the struggle, and I and I'm speaking this out of my heart because it really is something that I've watched us all grow on. I watched us all kind of take a move on this idea of this part of, of Galatians 3, of you know. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago we were all arguing about it, like, ah, oh, but I'm this and I'm that and I'm this. You know, we all went, ah. And, uh, you know. But the good thing is, is that it's not just die It's not just for us who are, like, been hurt our whole lives to be like, oh, I but my identity's been persecuted against. But it's also against, like, people who are like going to come in and say like i'm a i'm a white nationalist or whatever you know it's like the, no <laughs> you know it's also that say no to that <laughs> even if you're part of the cool tribe it's saying you got to give up those those you know those special things you got to give up your, your your privilege you know this the, there should be no privileges for this tribe and not for that tribe whether it be the majority or it be a minority that's being orientalized where it's that those people are treated special. you know, no, 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 no. We are all one. You know, that's what I love when Paul starts us out with saying, talking about meeting with the leaders of the church saying, well, what they were really didn't matter to me because God's no respecter of man being like, Oh, wait a second. Like we're all able to have conversation. We should be able to talk to, to our authorities. We should be able to talk to our leaders in an honest, pure way and have these tough conversations with them. We should be challenging them. So it's not saying like, you know, well, you know, Dr. King should have been more humble and not spoken out against the Vietnam War. He should have obeyed. No, he should. He, he was doing the right thing. So it's not saying don't do these things. It's saying, of course, do these things. But when you're arguing with your enemy, remember you love them. Remember to love them in a way so that your hope is restoration for them. Your hope is is, is repentance for them a, a change of heart a change in direction um, well, that's why we do you know why do people protest? why do people vote why do because they're hoping people will th- help change thinking you know that's why we we, we do this things because we want people to change and we can't go and be like, we want you to change and then somebody so, somebody just from the other side or whatever another group goes, well, okay, I'll change. we go up oh, it's too late. you were a part of that group, but we can't stand them. You know, that's just bait and switch. And for me, that's what, like, growing up in Christianity seemed like this kind of, like, bait and switch idea of, like, it's a free gift, come on down, you know, get Jesus, it's free. And then you come down, and then they are like, now all it's going to cost you is everything. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> you know, it's like, here's your free car. And, you know, and, oh, a free car, Well, wow, thank you. Yes, and if you just sign here, because you're going to get a bill every month, you're going to have to pay for it. You know, I thought it was free. Well, I'm giving you the keys, but you still have to pay for it. You know, it's a bait and switch. We don't want to be bait-and-switchers. Um, and we don't want to be free, fr- afraid of conflict. But I have realized over the years how so afraid people are of having conflict, one-on-one conflict, that we often... I mean, I think that's sometimes with like, people who used to... You know, reporters and things like that who sometimes write awful things without talking to people or you know, and, and just judge people from a distance rather than confronting them because there's even that fear there. And we've got to learn to do that more and be able to not be afraid of uh, conflict and not be offended when someone questions us. And that's tough. You know, that's really tough. How dare you question me, the man of God, <laughs> you know? Why well, you question because, so we can grow from it and learn from it. All right, that was a really long talk. It was like an hour long. We had a lot of more people than we have in a long time, <laughs> but we lost a lot of them because it was such a long talk. So maybe next week I'll try to trim it down but uh, you can also go back and listen and uh, listen later. Um, Hey, that's it today. There it is, I just spilled my guts to you the best I could about that and um, tried to be as transparent with you about that as possible. Hey, if you like this work, you can support us by going to revolutionchurch.com. Thank you, Zoe, for saying that. Um, You can go to revolutionchurch.com. There's a PayPal link there. I'm working with our folks right now to add a Venmo because I know some of that's easier for some of you all. And if you say, well, I can't really help financially, is there other ways to help? Yes, share these talks on your social media accounts. Share them on Twitter, share them on Instagram, share them on Facebook. Or I don't do TikTok, but you could even, I'm sure, figure out a way to share this stuff on TikTok as well. Um, one of the, you know, um, it, that really helps. You know, it's funny because I put up the, when I I put the last talk up on, on Twitter and I literally got one like, so yeah, Twitter's not really working out well, but I've seen a lot of you folks on Instagram sharing our talks and sharing the stuff and that's really helped a lot and I really appreciate it. And I feel like we had more people today because I shared the live link with folks on Facebook and Instagram and even Twitter. So yeah, it helps folks. It helps even just getting this link and sharing it right as we go on. And you can subscribe to our channel. That really helps a lot. And then you get the little ding when it comes up. And, that, you know, make sure you subscribe and then ask for to be reminded, get your reminder. All those things really help keep us going and keep this work going. And that's what we really want to do. And um, we're going to look at it like at the beginning of March. We're going to re- kind of evaluate where revolution is and see if this is something that we can continue to move on forward or not. Um, but if you're able to help financially, that really helps keep this alive and going and will really help us have our evening classes and things like that. I think it's probably going to be a Tuesday only because that's the night I don't have my children on a regular basis. Um, And I think those would be really heavy studies. Um, The more I I looked at looking at the pastoral epistles, that's a really heavy study. and, And that was Pete Rollins' recommendation is that might be too heavy for a Sunday, but maybe try to do an evening thing. So I saw it seemed like a lot of you were interested. So thank you so much. Have a great week. Reflect on this, and um, yeah, we'll see you, see you, see ya out there in the cyber world, and lots of grace to you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.